Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 20 of Namaste Bitches Podcast, a podcast where I get people from all walks of life, ask them for one piece of advice, and then we go from there. On this episode, we had Rich Edmonds. He is one of the owners of CrossFit Black Friars, where I do CrossFit. It's a cool box. You should totally come check it out. And uh, before that, he was an elite runner. So we get right into it. I was really excited about this. We talked about CrossFit. We talked about running. Uh, and we also talked about Britain's Got Talent at the very end. So let's get into it. Here is Rich. What is your piece of advice? Um, my piece of advice is uh, go hard or go home. Go harder, go home. Very CrossFit. Mm, yeah. Have you ever worked out so hard in a in a training session that you've puked afterwards? Not in CrossFit, no. but I have in uh, when I was running. Yeah. Um, definitely. Uh, yeah. No, not in CrossFit. And I, I don't think that's because I haven't worked really hard. I think it's uh, it's just a, a different. Um, in CrossFit, you're using lots of different uh, muscles in lots of different ways, and I think in 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 the running, you just you know, particularly in the events I did in the 800 and 1500, you're getting so much lactic acid in your mm-hmm. in your legs um, that, yeah, sometimes there was a an outlay. Yeah. So when did you when did you start your running career? Um, I started properly running when I was around 13, 14. Uh huh. I was playing a lot of rugby, and uh, I'm from Leicester, mm-hmm. so topic yeah <laughs> uh, and uh, but it's also as well as an exceptional football team we also have um a very good uh top rugby team and played a lot of rugby mm-hmm. and then got injured so i started running because uh, i wasn't allowed to do any contact for a year so what the running so, what kind so of injury? neck injury oh, okay cool. and um so i started running and yeah that was it and you you competed at a national level with running? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, you know, I was I was not Mo Farah, but I was, uh, you know, I, I ran and I was um, got to a, a pretty good standard, and uh, yeah, it was it was a really good time, and I met some friends that are you know obviously my friendship group a lot of them are based around running and it's led into what i do for a job as well so um yeah it's uh, it's a big part of my life and when did when did you stop running professionally did you you, you did it professionally or you trained at an elite level yeah at the very least? Um, i was training at loughborough university which is the kind of center of uh sport within the uk so it's um it's a real kind of mecca for all things particularly running cricket um rugby um it's you know has a kind of reputation it's won the british university sports championships for like 30 years in a row Mm -hmm. like you know just doesn't get beaten it's uh so i was there and and by being there and training in that that group um you're around olympic athletes and you are training pretty much as a you know professional athlete and then i stayed afterwards and and carried on training Mm full-time for another year what made you switch over why'd you leave it to um i think i'm a um i like i like variation Mm -hmm. 
And I think uh, perhaps the four years that I spent at Loughborough, um, just doing a hell of a lot of running became... In a circle too. Yeah, in a circle. (laughs) Um, I think I just needed a bit of a break. And I I decided to go away uh, traveling for a few months with some friends and have a little break from it and decide if I wanted to come back and carry on running. And I didn't. I just decided that I would, uh, you know, kind of part that, move to London and start um, looking at other areas of my my life, really. And is that when you found CrossFit? I didn't find it straight away, no. I kind of went through a, a bit of a, a mixed stage, really, um, post post running i needed something because i'm i'm a competitive person and i needed that drive i'm not a uh aesthetically like driven person in terms of doing exercise so i'm not going to go to the gym and do three sets of 10 bench press because i wanted my chest to look good on the beach yeah i'm i'm definitely very performance driven Mm -hmm. and very competitive and i did have like a kind of lull afterwards where I was like oh and you know I was tempted do I do some running I ran a marathon and tried to train really hard for that mm-hmm. and you know so there was like a kind of like do I you know do I go back to running because you kind of lose that like for you know 10 years you're like yeah I'm a runner that's what I do and you yeah. get up and you build your life around it and then all of a sudden you don't have it um and I definitely spent a year or two kind of like doing a bit of this doing a bit of that and nothing really stuck and then somebody mentioned crossfit to me and uh i started doing that um yeah uh four three or four years ago now Mm -hmm. and now you own a crossfit gym i do so do you compete in the crossfit uh game things yeah the the (laughs) open uh yeah we do the open um as you'll know from being there this year it's quite a big deal for some people and they some people you know uh we had about 30 or 35 i think that entered this year which is quite a quite a high turnout at the gym and for everybody does it for different reasons and so uh, just explain the open real quick because when it happened i I wasn't really sure what was going on right so it took me a while to figure it out basically like in like in any other sport like like athletics like running there's a world championships there's a world championships in crossfit it's called Mm -hmm. the crossfit games and it's held every year in the summer in the u.s and in order to get to the CrossFit Games, you have to go through a series of kind of knockout stages. The first of which is the CrossFit Open. This is where everybody around the world um, gets to uh, go in and try and uh, you know see where they stand in the mm-hmm. world. So uh, out of that Open, um, for example, in Europe, uh, we had 24,000 men enter. Mm-hmm out of those 24,000 men there's 30 places for the regionals okay um so it's like you it's super super hard just to get to the regionals the next stage if you do get to the regionals is is that and it's uh, that'll be the european championships effectively mm-hmm. and out of that out of those people there only uh three people then go to the games okay they've changed it slightly last year so they've doubled us up um with uh africa okay and uh so they have like uh we have a few people 
coming from there and and 30 people coming from the from europe and it's the top five places out of those 40 okay. go to the games but it's um i mean you know then then you're talking like with their region maybe ten thousand. so you you've got five places for thirty four thousand people that initially entered it and did you make it to regionals this no, year no 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 nowhere near do i'm you, nowhere near i do you know what your place was uh, I was like 800th out of the 24,000. I mean, that's pretty amazing still. Yeah, I, I mean, it's like, I don't know, top 3% or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I think I, I've sort of stayed there. Um, things, I mean, I these guys that are at, at that top level, like Matt at the gym, yeah. who you know, I mean, they are training like four or five hours a day and, and they're not really doing much else. They're certainly not running other businesses and having yeah. babies and, you know, doing all that. <laughs> living all the that life jazz. you're living. Um, it's, uh, you have to be all out, just totally into that in order to make it. So do you, when, you, so you've been doing, uh, sorry. So you've been doing CrossFit for three years, yeah. four years. Four, I'd, I'd say, uh, is it four years? I think it's four years this this year did you ever have aspirations to go to regionals yeah i did when i first started I, like everybody i got straight in and i was like right i want to do it and actually i came about 200th i think in the first year um and then i was like okay next year i'll do it but actually the reality is the standard got progressively better right and uh the um amount of people entering it and as a crossfit got bigger got yeah. larger and I, like I said, I mean, in order to be able to get to that level, you've got to be doing, that's all you're doing. Yeah. It's like being a runner. Right. You know, when I was running and I was running twice a day and I was, you know, had a massage every day and a, you know, nutrition plan and everything, mm-hmm. I'd expect to do well yeah. because that's all I'm doing. But when uh, you are um, doing CrossFit like I am and, and you're also doing everything else how often are you doing crossfit a week right now i train about five hours a week okay so bear in mind i think matt yes they did five hours in a day okay so it's is uh, he going to regionals he just missed out yeah you probably won't want to talk us to talk about that but, uh, <laughs> do you know it's it's a really tough region if he was in any region in other region across the whole world he would have gone to regionals mm-hmm. he's a phenomenal athlete and i, I think he'll he'll kick on from here so young as well and mm-hmm. and um yeah uh but um yeah he has been to regionals and yeah. he performed really well and i think he will definitely go next year so right now it's not it's not a priority for you to try to make it to regionals no, but why why have, even enter into the open like, well i have my own little personal battles with people okay so i think this is this is the great thing about crossfit and um you come in the gym and yeah sure there's going to be those people that are awesome and as you know and there's going to be people that are just starting on their fitness journey but when you look at that whiteboard every day there's always a name where you're like you know that you're roughly around the same level Mm -hmm. and you want to try and you want to try and beat them right so it for for you it will be one or two other people maybe in the gym that are roughly around your your standard and for me that's the same so i'll look at other people not necessarily our gym but in other gyms that i know that are always around my sort of standard Uh and uh you know aim to try and try and beat them so to speak so Uh that's my kind of where it, I'll switch it on and try and work hard for the, for the open and make sure that I'm in good shape for those uh, couple of months a year. Ah, oh, I see, I see. 
And how many, so you're training about five hours a week and then how many classes are, are you coaching? I only actually coach um, around three hours a week at the gym. Right. But I'm, I fill in obviously when people aren't there mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, helping, you know, Fergus, Balash and I are running the gym behind the scenes. But what I try and do more of at the gym is we have some awesome coaches and I, I like to be there and like, you know, I'm always there in your lunchtime classes and yeah. I, I want to help out and kind of act as a second coach, speak to people. How, how's it going? How's your kind of fitness journey? What's going on? Like, can we help with anything? What are your aims? You know, so I think I, I like to take on that role of just kind of being around the gym, chatting to people, finding out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then I can relay that back to coaches because when they're coaching, not all the time do they get to have that like kind of one-on-one chat that I could maybe have with someone while they're getting ready or yeah. they're stretching afterwards um, because they're busy coaching. Right. So I can say to them, how's it going? How's the session? What are you doing? What's Where are you next in? What's the aim? And yeah. then we have an, a real kind of open dialogue running all the time with the coaches and we relay relay all that information back i just took a crossfit session with rich earlier today it was very exciting i had a personal best with my front squat but it was five kilos lighter than i really wanted it to be so i threw a minor tantrum and rich delightfully talked me off the ledge so that was very kind of him to do um yeah it's a great gym you should check it out um, moving forward, Rich and I talked about um, going hard and going home, but also at the same time finding the balance of like really pushing yourself but staying away from injury. He also talks about if you're new to CrossFit, maybe how often you should come, how regularly you should go to the gym. Speaking of which, I uh, don't know if I made a big deal about it enough on social media, but I did a 30-day Bikram yoga challenge this past month and blogged about it obsessively. And coming up in June, uh, I'm not sure if uh, Rich even knows about this yet, but I'm going to do a similar thing with CrossFit where I'm going to go to CrossFit five times a week uh, for four weeks and I will be blogging and writing about it on my website. So if you want to read about my little experiments with health and fitness, it's all on my website. So just go to www.abagalia.com slash blog and it will all be there in just uh, a week. I start doing the CrossFit part in a week. So I'm pretty excited about that. So let's get back to Rich. With your piece of advice with go hard or go home, do you ever find yourself talking to someone at the gym who's uh, still figuring out CrossFit that uh, is a bit whiny that you ever want to just be like, well, just suck it up and do the work? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, if if I'm honest. And it's not it's not in, uh, you know, a negative way because in, in CrossFit, there are a lot of journeys to go through, not just mentally, but you've got to learn technique, you've got to learn skills. So mm. I'm never ever thinking, uh, like if somebody's, if somebody's struggling with a movement, I'm not going to be like, come on, man, go hard or go home. What yeah. are you doing? But if they are, if the coach says, let's go for a 400 meter run and they refuse or they moan because they can't be bothered, 
I'm like, do people actually refuse? Sometimes, like, refuse or they'll, they'll they'll be the odd like little excuse comes out that's not you know that you know is not like come on, not valid. Yeah, and um, and also I think one of my big things, and this is not just CrossFit, but generally in life, I hate to see wasted talent, mm. and I. Uh, I love you know I love watching uh, talented people but one of the most frustrating thing for me is people that I know that could be talented and do incredible things but they're just not willing to push or work or put the time in or put the um, just the drive and the tenacity to do it and that's really frustrating and I see that a lot more than than I do you know get annoyed with people for you know not going for a run or whatever but right. I just like I see someone in the gym and I'm like you you are amazing you move so well you, you've you got all of the ability in the world but you don't want to hurt or you don't want to push yourself or you know I think sometimes having worked a little bit in fitness there's there's a section that is like it's okay to hurt and you should feel pain and uh, that's how you push through to different levels. And then there's, especially in yoga, there's the other side that's like, no, nothing should hurt and everything should feel fine and it should be moderately challenging. Yeah. So do you think people are are stopping themselves because they themselves don't want to hurt or because they've been taught not to push themselves? I think it's probably a, a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, you could you could certainly see it and and to be honest if you had a chat with them and you found out like what their growing up was like. Yeah. I think that often has uh, has a lot to do with it. Mm. You know um, look at Matt you know at the gym and his work ethic when he trains and how hard he pushes himself you know and he comes from like you know kind of rural farming background in that Zimbabwe we, we haven't talked that much you know but like you know you you know that okay he's just going to get on with this yeah and he's going to just get it done mm-hmm. and and uh I think a lot of a lot of um the battle in in exercise is that is that psychological battle and it's the most interesting one and I think it's uh, I see, and it's not just at our gym, you know, you talk about guys that I'm trying to aim to beat. Yeah. I know that I'm going to beat them in the open. And it's not, <laughs> but it, they're better than me. The, the smile in your eyes when you I'm say that. I'm thinking of one or two, one or two yeah. people. And I know I'm going to beat them. And it's not because um, in any, it's not because I, they are way better than me if, at CrossFit. But yeah. they're just not uh, um, worked on their mental, mental game. training um and and you know if you look if you you know i'm sure you do and you met top elite sports people um way way more talented and better than me that's what they're best at their their mental game is. why do you think you're so much stronger at that because of your running background or is that just did, did you also so. grow up in a rural part of zimbabwe <laughs> i didn't grow up in a rural part of zimbabwe but i grew up with in a working class environment and hard work and work ethic is is something that is treated with um you know like that is celebrated Mm -hmm. you know my dad is incredibly you know an incredible hard worker did he just run the marathon he did how did he do he did he he did seven hours wow so pretty slow but this is this is an example i mean that's a good example right yeah there is no way that guy should have been able to get around a marathon even walking running walking running 
Uh, he is 59. Okay. But he's type 1 diabetic. Okay. He is out of shape. I mean, when I say out of shape, like, I mean, 17 stone and small out of shape. Okay. You know, not, not a big, tall guy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, he, you know, he just switched it on. Right, okay, I'm going to run a marathon. He decided to run a marathon for di- diabetes to uh, raise money for the charity that he's, you know, involved in because he's a type 1 diabetic. Mm-hmm. And just decided in, like, Christmas time, I'm going to run a marathon. And it went from kind of nothing to, you know, going out walking and then running a bit and then walking and running and building up to, like, 20 miles. And then he did did the uh, the race last week. So I think, you know, if you've got that kind of uh, inspiration and you've mm-hmm. had that and you've seen that and I've kind of grown up with that mentality that you just get on with it and you do it, mm-hmm. I think that gives you the ability to you know to work on it and and i think there are you just sort of got to find your own um inspirations and different you know whether it's a top elite sportsman or someone in the gym that you look up to you know i like for me i I look up to matt and i'm like wow he's amazing you know that is amazing what he does yeah and i aspire to get as you know good as i can towards that i'm i'm not going to reach that level but as good as i can because you know life's too short man you mm-hmm. do it haven't you yeah very true i guess something that i think about because i'm still pretty new to crossfit i started mm. doing it i i guess regularly in september but I, I don't even know if i'd really consider me going regularly yet um but as because I've never weightlifted before, like ever. Yeah. So as far as like going to your max, I'm always concerned that I'm going to hurt myself because I have no, like, sure. I guess my what I, talking to you right now and you're like when you want to talk to people at the box and learn their uh, goals and stuff. I think my something that would be really fun for me is to be able to do things RX. To yeah. do the prescription. Yeah. But that's your aim, right? So that's right. that's where you're at at the moment and you your aim is to be able to do it right. Safely. But, yeah, but how how where how do you coach the line between pushing yourself, go harder, go home or just hurting yourself? Okay, so it's a- when I say go harder, go home, I'm not talking about lifting weights. I'm okay. not talking about snatch or clean or jerk. Yeah. Those things you need to be very patient build up over many many sessions not too heavy build up technique 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 mm-hmm. when i'm say go hard or go home i mean like a workout like running and box jumps yeah push okay. yourself right stuff that's safe yeah okay. i'm not talking about you know a, a workout with with snatch and some other technical movement in crossfit there there you build up slowly and you work up towards that rx weight mm-hmm. over a period of time and i was exactly the same i'd never done weightlifting before i started doing crossfit mm-hmm. and when i first started it was exactly the same small goals careful build up not get injured mm. um and eventually you'll see progress but in terms of go hard go home i'm just talking about when you need when you can go and it's, yeah. a, it's a safe exercise to do like running maybe on the rower maybe whatever it is skipping mm-hmm. you, you need to work hard okay all right i get it now um 
Yeah, double unders. There's a thing that I still haven't figured out. Well, do you out. know what? This is it. And, and this is the thing I talk about mentality again. Like, I, everybody and a lot of people that listen to this podcast will have heard me talking about my story of double unders. Yeah. And my story of double unders is I was a terrible. Three, four years ago, I couldn't skip. Like, I mean, I was that, you know, kind of hoppy type thing. You know, you see that the kind of little boys and girls in the playground doing yeah like, you know no that like was, i do it. that yeah. was me that was me <laughs> and i can promise you that um i was the, the worst i was much i you know if you think you're bad you haven't seen anything i was mm-hmm. terrible i can do anything and i was trying and trying and trying and uh what I, the other thing i see is i see people come to the gym and they're maybe they're 10 minutes early and they sit on the benches and Mm -hmm. get there kind of looking what's going on and then they'll you know when the coach says let's go and warm up they'll warm up in that 10 minutes when i first started crossfit at the gym i was at i would have been trying to do double unders Mm -hmm. i would have used that time to try and develop a skill and although I say that to people it's still you know the majority of people you see it a bit more now there's a few more people starting to you'll see them on the pull-up bar doing like kind of a, a kip just to work on that or whatever it is but you know I was I was just like right uh, Rich Froning who is the like god of CrossFit guy, yeah. yeah the guy um, he he says you know if you haven't got a skill just do it every day until you have like yeah. that's his mentality I'm sure he'd be the, the kind of go hard go home kind of guy yeah but if he didn't have a skill you know he would just do it religiously all the time until he had it and then he'd move on to the next one mm-hmm. and i was like that with double unders but unfortunately i was so bad that it just took so long how long so long oh uh bearing in mind i was really going at it i'd say six months Okay, and you were coming in before training and working on Yeah, and doing it at home. Bought a rope, doing it at home. And when I finally got them, I was on my honeymoon. Oh, how romantic. I mean, what a nice guy just out doing double unders. Luckily, uh, Laura's very um, obviously into into the fitness thing as well and goes to CrossFit. But uh, yeah, I finally got them on the honeymoon in Greece. And it just sort of clicked and when it when it clicked it was like you you never kind of lose them mm-hmm. and it's uh but i you know and i think it's again uh it's one of those things where i just don't think people maybe put enough time into it mm-hmm. in order to do it they can do it you know i I'm a, no, i definitely know they can because i was that guy that was the worst skipper in the gym yeah so you think everyone can do... I think everyone could do double unders. Yeah. I think everybody can do it at our gym, mm-hmm. but maybe only at the moment 20% can. Yeah. But they can do it. Yeah. It's in there and it will click and they will do it and it'll fi- they'll figure it out. Oh, now I'm all inspired to go and work on double unders like, see? right now. Yeah, let's do it. Do you know <laughs> what the best t- best tip, and if anyone's listening... That's Is this the jump doing, up and down uh, and tap your hips? Yeah, yeah, I've probably done it with you before. Yeah. This guy just said to me, don't use the rope. Like, you're just getting frustrated. Just put the rope down, practice the rhythm, and uh, that really helped me. Yeah. Okay. What is the what is the one piece of advice that you'd offer someone who's new to CrossFit, like, as they're getting into it? Don't uh, go off too quickly. 
So don't come in and do five sessions a week and bury yourself and lift weights that you shouldn't be lifting. Yeah. That, you know, you, you're going out of your form um, to, to lift. I think uh, just master the mechanics is mm-hmm. key. So work on moving well rather than moving a lot of weight. So someone who's not done CrossFit before and is not really big on a lot of, who don't have a big background in fitness, how many times should they do CrossFit a week starting out? Would you recommend? Um, I think I think three times a week, if you're literally coming from no, you know, gym kind of background, yeah. is absolutely fine. I think you, you get a good uh, mix particularly with our program you're going to get a good mix of energy systems and movements Mm -hmm. but then i think you can maybe do other stuff outside of the gym like working on the double unders working on skills um Mm. but not necessarily doing an hour an hour's crossfit session why does crossfit have such a controversial reputation uh i i think it's It's because that, uh, unfortunately, in the day and age of the YouTube phenomenon, Mm -hmm. you see bad stuff and you see good stuff. Mm -hmm. And also, I think in everything, um, there is good coaching and there is bad coaching. And I think the, the reputation maybe comes from that. However, I think, uh, with good coaching and in a good environment, CrossFit is just as safe as any other fitness activity and and i'll take this back and then people ask me about this all the time and i say that you know the good coaching bad coaching thing or why are there bad coaches well there's bad coaches in every sport Mm -hmm. and and there's bad yoga teachers i'm sure you've met tons of bad yoga teachers you're nodding so i'll take that as a yeah (laughs) yeah and i'm sure you you know i've met lots of bad running coaches Mm -hmm. and i've lot and i'm sure there's lots of bad football coaches and uh, soccer and uh, <laughs> rugby coaches. You know, there's bad, yeah. there's bad, there is bad coaching out there, unfortunately. And um, I don't think you can, you know, just say to uh, that in CrossFit that that happens. I think it's in in everything. And there's a risk of injury in every sport you're doing. I think I listened to the podcast you did with Ben, and he said the same thing mm-hmm. with rowing. You know, and and he had some injuries, and you know that's rowing. You know, and you think that's a pretty you know you're not really doing a huge amount other than coming forward and pulling back really yeah. but actually the mechanics doing it again and again and again you pick up injuries and i'm sure there's good coaches for rowing and bad coaches for rowing um sometimes i personally find it really hard to take the time to master the mechanics of something uh when i first start at it because you just I mean, I do just want to get into the sexy, fun stuff when it comes to a new activity, be it CrossFit or yoga or running, which is what we talk about in the next section. Uh, Rich owns a company called Runderwear that he'll talk about. And, uh, yeah, we talk about uh, running and running technique. I, I've done a fair amount of running to know by now that I don't like it at all. I've given it two years. Not a fan. Not a fan at all. But in saying that, I'm pretty sure I'm going to run another half marathon in the fall. But uh, no, that's not what we're talking about now, are we? No. So let's get back to the podcast with Rich. Did you ever sustain an injury while you were running? 
Yeah. So I've I got a stress fracture in my shin when I was 19. That was my first sort of big injury. Um and that that had a knock on effect and and I started getting some hip issues and cuz you you know biomechanics kind of change cuz you're compensating and uh but yeah, that was the the main one, really. And that's the main one that runners generally suffer from is stress fractures. Yeah. Is there a form for like... But I've never been injured in CrossFit. Never? Never. (laughs) Again, that smile of like, ha ha ha. Yeah. For running, like, is there a form for running that everyone should do or does it depend on your own body and your own build? No, I think think, um, there's been a lot of talk about this. And in, in CrossFit, actually, there's a kind of a big lean towards a, the pose method but personally what's the pose method I don't know yeah you know, it's a lot of like kind of running on the front foot and uh, to be honest like I, I there's a lot of fads like in anything right mm-hmm. and there's, there was the barefoot kind of thing and that's kind of not as as prevalent now I don't know around the world but in the UK it's not as prevalent uh, and I, but personally, I think I think it's it's a few things with running. Um, I try and teach re- like relaxation. Too many people are very do you tense still, when do they you run. coach running. Yeah, coach some people yeah. running, and I think some uh, we one of my main things, like I say, is uh, is relaxing. Mm. Too many people are really tense, particularly in their upper body when they run, and um, they uh, a really good tip I give to most people is imagine you're holding a crisp. Um, between your thumb and your forefinger the coach at Loughborough told me this and you've got to hold the crisp but you can't break it so many people like clench their fists and they yeah. you know but you think all that energy they're using like tensing they could be putting that into the, the run so running's all about relaxation when you watch Mo Farah running a 5k or 10k he looks effortless mm-hmm. believe me he's hurting just yeah. as much as the guys around him uh-huh. he's just a little bit quicker yeah but he's hurting and he's on the edge but he looks very relaxed and very calm but he's worked on that so he's trying to look relaxed because he knows the more relaxed he is across his body the more energy he can put into pumping blood where he needs it most which is in those legs to get him round. so um, that would be the first tip is try and relax mm-hmm. uh, the next thing would be uh, keep your head up so many people look down and this is not just in running we see this a lot you've probably heard me say a million times in classes Uh, keep your head up like you look down you start to tilt you start to close that diaphragm and you can't get the air in as much as you would if you were uh, upright yeah uh, or you know certainly running taller it also affects your stride length so you start to become choppier into the ground rather than Extending, and I think uh, you don't need to overcomplicate it. Look up, stay relaxed, and you can you can run. I ran a uh, marathon last year, and well it, what no big deal, and probably the least relaxing thing I've ever done. Oh sure, and look, <laughs> it's is not, but it's, it wasn't for the first mile. Right, right, so. Uh, all like don't, I've run a marathon as well, and uh, we talked about it earlier. Yeah. And and I know that from twenty miles to twenty six, you're probably not going to be upright, relaxed, and feeling really cool. <laughs> yeah. um, however, trudging—that's what I was doing. However, was it will help in that last six miles. 
if for the first 13 you have done that mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah so when you're feeling good you in that marathon you should be nice and relaxed and upright obviously it's going to get tough you mm -hmm. know that but um you need to that that place will come a lot later if you uh if you've got good form mm -hmm. um, while you're feeling good when you're running it and initially and don't go off too fast that's the other final point especially if you're running a half marathon a marathon yeah and i see it having with working with my my other uh job my brand rundlewear i see um i see so many people at the marathon each year and they all just go off too fast yeah you get excited because it's you know you feel good the pace feels slow because it is slow because you're running 26 miles and then all of a sudden you get to like 17 18 miles and you're like okay yeah it just got real so when you so you trained for years in short distance and then you decided to run a marathon how was that how was that different did you just do it because was it a bucket list thing you said? yeah it's a bucket list thing I, I tried to run New York and I got into really good shape to do New York it was more to have a holiday really yeah. just to go to New York and, and do the marathon there and unfortunately about two weeks before I got I got um, not an injury but you get uh, IT syndrome sometimes mm -hmm. in running if you're running a lot so runner's knee okay IT bands get super tight and pulls on the knee and it just yeah it you just get knee pain and you just can't it's a bit crippling mm -hmm. and a couple of weeks rest and you're fine but mm -hmm. unfortunately it just was too close to the race so i would have been running the race still in pain and i trained really hard for it and i was trying to run like six minute miles for, oh, wow. for the race um and i'd done a 20 mile and i felt good and i was feeling good but then i just yeah i just and i was just running about two weeks before and it i just sort of started limping and it was painful and sore of physio but there was just no time a week afterwards i probably could have ran it right but then because of my time that i'd ran in the half marathon um i got a, a place in the championship start in london so i decided okay. to do it but then i didn't train for that really okay <laughs> so it's a london um, new york's at the start of november and london's in april right and i just did like a few runs between november and april so uh, i was just a bit kind of downhearted that I Aww. you know you'd done all that training yeah. over the summer for New York and then got did you go to New York anyways I yeah, mean, yeah just we for went, the vacation yeah um, I just met my wife and uh, she invited herself on the trip mm -hmm. so uh, we ended up just having a long weekend in New York and we watched the race and Paula Radcliffe ran and it was oh, cool. cool and um, yeah it was it was cool we sat in Central Park and watched them coming through and it was uh, it was a nice day awesome yeah. Tell me about your other business. Tell me yeah. about Rundlewear. So obviously running, um, around running and uh, involved in running and uh, got a, my, my best friend, Jamie, uh, started getting into running as well after university and he was running the New York Marathon and he couldn't find any good underwear to run in. Mm-hmm and uh was wearing a pair of women's large hot pants nice he says they were large <laughs> he says he's got rid of them as well but he hasn't <laughs> uh anyway he um he was like mate honestly we need to do something about this this is ridiculous like you literally can't get any like good underwear it's like you buy all this fancy kit you know the shoes and the moisture wicking fabric and everything and then you just put on your normal 
kind of underwear mm-hmm. that's not really made to be running marathons in. So we set about and we both um, started working with our running club in London and uh, getting it, you know, sampled and and uh, getting people to try it. And then, yeah, kind of launched three years ago at the London Marathon Show, mm-hmm. which is annoying. It was a good, it was a great show, but there's, it's four days, the marathon show, and uh, we sold out after the second day. Oh, which wow. Which quite as time. So we were like, we were like, oh, annoying. You know, we missed two days of sales, but... Um, sort of kicked on from there mm-hmm. and uh, getting people in the the right runwear is my kind of day job now as well so getting people in the right runwear what, what well, does the that sentence the, even mean the brand's called runwear okay so um, but yeah getting people in the right running underwear um, oh okay so uh, yeah we're we make like seamless underwear so there's no seams. so did you design that underwear yeah, like do yeah, you yeah. have the patent is there a patent on yeah underwear? we have trademark for runderwear okay so anyone else uses that word you let me know and we'll hunt them down right. together but i mean the design of the underwear uh no there's not um like a uh a patent or anything but it's um we're constantly like developing new products and innovating and making it better and uh maybe in the future we'll we'll look at that with some mm-hmm. of our designs but at the moment, we're, you know, we use a seamless machine, um, which they often use for, like, tops and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, for, like, skiing and things like that. And we've kind of managed to get them to make underwear on it. Mm-hmm. And so there's no seams on the underwear, so you don't have any digging in or anything that can irritate the skin. And then we also managed to source this material that is just phenomenal at wicking away moisture mm-hmm. that can work on the machine because it's quite a specialist uh, product and it's quite hard to do but we've managed to are you guys the only one making running run no there's a few there is a few other brands I mean you would have heard of Under Armour no nope, never heard of uh, okay. only ever heard of Runderwear okay cool <laughs> and a few you know a few other um, you know brands out there but um, a lot of them just don't just do underwear Mm -hmm. So we just do underwear. Like, that's our thing. We are specialists. Whereas they do, like, trainers and coats and whatever, and then they also do underwear. Mm -hmm. So as we're definitely just very specialists. Mm -hmm. We just won the award top underwear brand in the UK. Congratulations. Um, So we went to the O2 and picked that award up last week. So that was good. And I enjoy it. I enjoy that because... You know, it's something really nice, like making a product and then people review it and they tell you how it like, oh, they last marathon they did, they were chafing all over the place and now they're like super comfortable. I mean, mm-hmm. it's such a nice, rewarding feeling when you've you've done something like that. Yeah. You know, forget about it as a business, but just as a, just so rewarding. And it's like why I did the gym. Yeah. You know, I get more of, you know, and we talk about the go hard, go, go home thing, but I get much more of a reward out of seeing people happy and getting their first muscle up than uh, anything else, to be honest. Now, how did the three of you decide to open up your? How did the three? Well, of you we come met at another CrossFit gym, okay. And those two guys were training together because mm-hmm. they didn't want to do the program there. And those are Fergus and Balash. Fergus and Balash, and uh, we we met, and I was training there, and they said, "Oh, you know, we'd love to have our own place." And me being, you know, the kind of entrepreneurial type as well with the the underwear brand i thought well let's do it let's let's just get a small space and let's um let's do it together and uh 
we complement each other really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Fergus, as you know, is the most passionate guy about CrossFit you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's really infectious and lovely. And Balash is just the nicest human on the planet. Mm. And I... I've only met Balash once. Oh, really? Yeah, well, oh, we're just not at the yeah, gym yeah, at he's the in the same morning time, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I am... Go hard, go home, get it done. Yeah. So, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, I think it, it, we complement each other well. And I love those guys. And, and we all have other jobs. You know, mm-hmm. we all have other things. But it's it's a business that's built on passion. Yeah. It's a business that's only... You know, it's built on a, you know, a passion for CrossFit. And it was just... Uh, we want somewhere to train that's nice and a nice environment. And I think at our gym at, at CrossFit Blackfriars, what we've built is a super awesome community of people Mm, I agree I don't necessarily you know we're a small gym we're only uh, 1600 square feet we can only run one class at a time we're probably not going to win the CrossFit Games team event um, as a gym and that's fine that's not our aim but if we can make an awesome community where people can come in they can learn to move really well do things they never thought they could do and when they've mastered them to go hard or go home, mm-hmm. um, I think that we've done a, a good job. That's beautiful. Aww. Are you crying? No. I'm crying. I'm still <laughs> going. I've been very emotional this week because Leicester City just won the Premier League. Oh, congratulations. That, but uh, I'm a big uh, Leicester City fan. I've noticed. And you know what? I still don't exactly know what you're talking about when you... I mean, I know it's football, but I don't... I... I have never been passionate about a team sport before. Although right. I grew up in Ohio, so it's hard not to pay attention to college football. But well, I, who's the I worst don't... college football team out there? Like generally over the last 25, 30 years. Oh, God. Who doesn't win anything? In, in college football, I'm not quite sure. But I know for a long, long time, because I grew up in Ohio, the Cincinnati Bengals were, and that's pro, but they were a hot mess. Yeah. for years and years and years like all through my childhood it, it was a joke well I'm, I mean that is like them winning Super Bowl oh, okay. basically so oh, okay. we are a small provincial team yeah our team we've spent more on, and we've, you've supported them your entire life yeah yeah, yeah. I mean I'm from Leicester and yeah. my uh, this team has spent more the same amount of money on players in 134 years as Manchester United have done in the last two. Oh shit, okay. So on their whole existence as a club, Man United have spent more in the last two seasons than we have. Yeah. These are a team of misfits, of people that didn't quite make it at Manchester United or Chelsea or whatever. Yeah. And we've kind of took them on yeah. and we've give people chances one guy's come from non-league football so was playing working in a factory and playing at Stocksbridge Steelers in a tiny division down like way way back yeah and uh, at semi-pro level and has now won football writers player of the year and is now playing for England you know so it's just an amazing story and and you'll hear more about it I'm sure over the next week in the press but it really is one of those uh, it's the greatest sporting turnaround of all time. Yeah. 
I mean, we were 5,000 to 1. There's going to be an Oscar movie about it. Oh, like that, 100%. That big. 5,000 yeah. to 1 at the start of the year to win the league. Uh-huh. 5,000 to 1. You got better odds on Elvis still being alive. <laughs> okay. Christmas Day in the UK being the hottest day of the year. Okay. And we have won the whole thing. Congratulations. And it's just... And, and you know what? It's... Uh, it, it is emotional in in the sense of you you know we've been up through up and downs and whatever but it's more just the, the little guy can do it yeah you know and we're and i take that for like in runderwear you know yeah we're not nike we're not adidas yeah but it gives you that aim that you can do something do you know what i mean like yeah. it's a real kind of inspiring uh thing that the the, the smaller the smaller guy can can rise and do it it's the american dream but yeah. in leicester oh <laughs> That's beautiful. I can't wait for the movie to come out. Who's going to... I have no idea who's going to play them. They're on about Robert De Niro playing the manager. It's an Italian manager. Oh, is he? That'd be fun. I mean, I just like Robert De Niro, so I'm on board. I know nothing about, like I said, uh, about uh, Leicester City, so I can't... I can't be like this is who should play you. I can't. I can't do that. Well, you need to do some research. I'll, I'll do some research. And, and I then can't I'll believe work that before you met, when you looked looked me up and you were like, "What's Rich doing?" and "What's going on?" You didn't find anything. Like my whole life is let's see. I don't. I, I don't know why that didn't. I don't know why that didn't come up in the Google search. I'm, I I apologize. It should have um, come up like Rich and massive Leicester City fan. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Silly me. Rich's love for Leicester City Football Club is so infectious that when he talks about it, I can't help but smile, even though I still don't know what the fuck he's talking about. But uh, I'm just, I'm very happy for him. I'm very happy that his soccer team is doing really well, or has done really well. I don't know, I haven't paid any attention to it since he told me about it a couple weeks ago when we recorded this. But uh, to round up the this podcast, uh, Rich was on uh, Britain's Got Talent in 2000. 2009, uh, back when Susan Boyle was all the rage. So I had to end talking about that with him and his illustrious performance career. Speaking of illustrious uh, performing careers, I desperately need to update my online diary. But my non-online diary is updated, so I can tell you guys that I will be performing at uh, Spank on South Bank on Friday, June 3rd. So if you're not doing anything, the show starts at 10.45, and I'm not hosting this one. It's hosted by the original hosts, James Wren and Leon, and they are amazing, and I'll be doing a set on it. So if you're in London, come to the South Bank Festival, 10.45, come to Spank. It should be a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all I wanted to tell you about. We should really uh, talk about Rich's awesome career right now because it's pretty great. So uh, here we go. And uh, so we got, we kind of grabbed are you Are you coattails. friends with Susan Boyle now? I would say friends, but, you know, we met, we've seen each other a few times at gigs and, and stuff. And uh, Do you like each other's Facebook status? How, how, how well do you know Susan Boyle? Does anyone know Susan I Boyle? I don't think she's on Facebook. Most of them are, like yeah. Diversity Guys and Stavros Flatley and all the sort of acts that were in that year that yeah. were, did quite well. So I'm still friends with a lot of them, but I don't think Subo is on Facebook. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, no, it was good. And, and since then, we it just went crazy. And we did the whole, like, um, 
afterwards doing all the gigs and we were doing like you went on tour right yeah we were doing seven nights a week every week for two years pretty much wow and uh big shows or like mixed so there was like you know there was a couple of things where it was like twenty thousand people and then a couple of things where it's 20 people yeah but um that show business right yeah and uh it was good and it was it was a really good experience and it's not something that i necessarily aspire i don't want to be uh, on stage and doing that doing dancing with a cardboard mask on my face yeah but it was good fun and i got to meet some really interesting people and go to some crazy places we flew to tokyo to do gigs we flew to the u.s to do gigs um we were flying all over the place and in and out of gigs and doing two gigs a night and when you guys were doing gigs, how long is your set? On a good day, six minutes and 30 seconds. Okay. <laughs> so uh, so you were on a mixed bill show. Was it like Britain's Got Talent Yeah, that, well, there might be like, for example, where we started to do really well was at corporate events because we make masks of, of celebrities, but we also make masks of whoever's party it is. Okay. So if it's like a big corporate oh, event, we'll make masks of the bosses, yeah. you know, or whatever. We take the tops off at the end with the boss's face on. If it's a wedding, we'll do bride and groom, mum and dad, dogs, whatever. You yeah. know, we make masks of whoever's party it is. So that's how it really carried on. And it's still carrying on. I've got a gig next week in Manchester. Oh, okay, yeah, I was And it's 2016. So um, it's still going and... Uh, it's it, it's a concept, you know. It, it, I mean, people can YouTube it. Um, I put it on the Facebook. Group. Yeah, I think it's had like fifteen million hits I, or have twenty million hits or something. It's you know. Someone um, showed it to me at the box. Maybe it was Fliss, but it, uh, was, okay. it was like we were just talking, and it was like Rich was on Britain's Got Talent. I was like, yeah. what? And she just showed me on her phone. So it was fun, and I would recommend if you're in that area to do it you know to do uh, to do britain's got talent because it gives you if you're in that you know entertainment industry Mm, because it's just a well maybe not for a stand-up comedian i don't know it's very specific uh, but for for an act like ours because no one's ever going to ring an agency and go do you know what i need (laughs) 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 i've got this corporate event coming up and i have been really after two guys that dance to village people songs and take their shirts off at the end whilst biting cardboard masks that are of celebrities that are current. No <laughs> one's ever going to book that. Like, yeah. You know, but if you go on that, that gave us the platform and people were like, they saw it. Okay? Yeah. So they, and then they were like, that's awesome. Yeah, I need that. That's something different. Yeah. And that's why we were one of, because a lot of the apps don't do much afterwards. And that was why we were successful afterwards because it was different. It was something unique. And if you've got, you know, you, you go to these corporate events and you're always going to get another singer and you can get another stand-up comedian. Yeah. And you're going to get, yeah. a, you know, another whatever. But no one does our act. Yeah. You know, so it's totally, totally different. And uh, that's why people booked it. Very cool. All right, one more question and then I'll let you go. But now, Simon Cowell. Yeah. No, it wasn't that, but okay, Simon Cowell. What's, how, how was... Everyone always, that's the first question everyone always asked, what's Simon Cowell like? And I, you know, everyone wants the answer of, oh, he's a horrible guy. And uh, I thought he was quite, he yeah. was fine. Yeah. He was, he's, he's got a real kind of, um, uh, I don't know, like dry sense of humor. He's very English, very yeah. British. 
uh, he um, he came into our dressing room on the night of the live show and it was the Subo thing and whatever and he came in he said Richard Liam how are you feeling uh, yeah yeah good thanks yeah well, good uh, there's only uh, 80 million people watching tonight it's live so good luck and he just walked out <laughs> you know so it's that kind of yeah, like yeah. that dry like and we're just like looking at each other what did you just say yeah you know like is that a positive thing or <laughs> yeah and I, I thought he was alright he was always very fair and um, he's obviously you know incredibly successful at what he does and he plays up to it yeah he plays that role do um, since since being on the show my, my question was uh, what is a uh, do you have a favorite gig you've done since, or what's uh, what's your what's the hell gig? What's the worst gig you've had to do Ooh. since being on Britain's Got Talent? The worst gig. Well, it was funny actually. We came off the show and we did the whole thing and the Wembley thing and blah blah blah, and that was cool. And then we got a gig, and it, the the first gig that came through that was a non like arena type gig. We're like, okay, cool. It's in Wales. It's like a, an address in Wales, like a street house name. Oh, dear. And they're paying, like, the money, like, the same as you would pay for a, you know, corporate okay, gig yeah. or whatever. I mean, what is this thing? So we we drive over to Wales and um, we follow the sat-nav and it's taking us into this estate. And we get into this, like, housing estate. And we're like, it's gen- it is just a house, like... Because we obviously just come off and expecting to be on a stage somewhere mm-hmm. or in a venue. And I was like, this is the house. So this is like a week or two after the show. And we drive in and we knock on the door and there's like a children's party going on. I'm like, okay. Like, oh, yeah, come in, guys. A lovely Welsh family. We've done three gigs for these people since. So I'm not going to say, you know, they they were absolutely lovely. And uh, it just turned out to be this girl's 13th birthday party and she loved it and they wanted to book us. So we performed in their garden and it was absolutely hammering it down with rain under a gazebo, like a, you know, tent without sides. Yeah, yeah. Standing in the garden, playing through their, basically a CD player, doing the show. And they loved it. But it was obviously just so random that it was like there. And then a, um, one other one that sticks in my mind that's um, interesting is we had a gig in London at the Grosvenor uh, on Park Lane, and uh, they they were adamant we were doing a sound. We needed to do a sound check, and we never do a sound check. We don't sing, we don't talk, <laughs> like yeah. we don't do it. We just need you to press play, and we're cool. We do the show. They were adamant, no, you've got to come for a sound check. <laughs> oh, God's sake! So Laura and I go up to Park Lane and like we'll we'll go in I'll do it and we'll just go for a walk down Oxford Street do a bit of shopping and then I'll go back and do the gig later on yeah so we turn up in the afternoon rock up to this thing massive stage okay cool go in okay Uh, I mean the Prime Minister and stuff's going to this 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 night so it's like a it's a big night yeah and um, I stand on the side of the stage and start chatting to the guy that's helping run it and um Mate, you know that this girl, she is an awesome Kylie impersonator. Really good. I mean, she like she's she looks like her. She's got she's got the whole thing. Like she's really good. And he just like turns to me, he's like, dude, that is Kylie. 
and we're like on the you know like literally inside wings of the stage just five meters away and she's singing the locomotion yeah and i'm like going what and laura's like eyes just sort of pop up so she goes and sits at the front like where they're dressing the tables and stuff and just has a like a whole personal kylie gig for like 45 minutes while she does her sound check mm-hmm. and uh and i'm just sort of the side of the stage just watching her and it was just 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 stuff like that where you know you would never normally get to do had we not been in that situation yeah but it's amazing how many that then since then that's happened like i don't i didn't realize that people just booked pop stars for their parties yeah I, I didn't like, know I mean for big events television yeah, yeah. events I mean this was a birthday party that's amazing and uh, that's all the money yeah I mean this is you know and then since then we've done lots of things like that where people have turned up and you're like I know you from TV or whatever and they just that's that's what they do but this night they had everything on I mean they had the Royal Ballet they had the Jersey Boys from the West End they had mm-hmm. Kylie they had us <laughs> a bit of a downer <laughs> Uh, but you know so it you know I mean seriously seriously impressive but that was cool so and uh, in the best gig um, I did a festival and it was 25,000 people yeah. and it was a good experience just to be on stage and not be able to see the end of the crowd yeah um, nerve wracking but a good experience very cool yeah so good it's um, it was worth doing yeah. I'm glad I'm not doing it every week yeah um, but uh, how often do you do it now I'd say once every month, maybe. Maybe once every three weeks mm-hmm. we do a show. That's good. Yeah. You have, you have so many I'm ho- I'm hoping that I do it when I'm like 60 and it's just a thing that dad or granddad did. And yeah. it kind of comes out at family parties and, you know, and maybe like my son will come and do it with me at some point. Like, in, Oh, it'll be the family business. Yeah, yeah. I'll be sending him out to work on the streets. Come on, you got to wear your keep. <laughs> not CrossFit. No. Not Runderwear. The family business will be putting on masks. you got to go and do street. some street entertaining. you got to you got to learn your trade. <laughs> you, you'd, you'd be very good at that. Um, I've never... No, I haven't. I've never really done street entertaining, but I do because I do stand up comedy. I also do sideshow, yeah. So I can eat glass, fire, and stick needles through my body. So every once in a while, you are set up for it. Maybe we need to talk. Yeah, like I, I'd post be, this. We need to get you involved. Okay, yeah. Let's talk about it. And I'll be your manager, I, and okay. I'll only take ninety percent. Okay, that seems fair. Okay, that seems fair. Yeah, but I'll show you the way. Okay, well, <laughs> to hey. the street. <laughs> I believe if anyone can do it, it'd be, it'd be you. I'd appreciate it. All right. Well, um, we've come to the end. Thank you so much uh, for coming, Rich. And can you give your piece of advice one more time? Yeah. Um, my piece of advice is whatever you do, go hard or go home. Go hard or go home. All right. Thanks so much, man. So that's it, guys. That's episode 20 with Rich Edmonds. Uh, go check out CrossFit, Black Friars, and Runderwear. I will include the details for both of those places uh, in the show notes. Also, uh, if you have time, go on to iTunes and rate and review the podcast. Join the Namaste Bitches podcast Facebook group. Some of you guys are still posting uh, your healthy food from our healthy food challenge. I think that's great. Awesome. Thank you for doing that. And thank you for listening to the podcast. Have a beautiful day. Namaste.